this morning I have a very precious word on my heart and I want to start sharing from Ephesians. If you would turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians in chapter 5 and we are looking at verse 27. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. It is God's desire. God wants to present you and me as a church unto God. God wants, God's not preparing these churches so that we can have great services and just so we can be, we'll pack auditoriums and be well known in the land. God is preparing us for eternity, hallelujah. He's preparing us now so that we would be a spotless and blameless bride both here in this world and in the world to come that we would live a life of destiny. But a glorious church has to be a powerful church, has to be a spiritual church, anointed church. A glorious church has to be a holy church, not negotiating at the table of the enemy not compromising God's word so that we could become popular in the world. He who has found his life shall lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake shall find it, says the Lord. Hallelujah. God's call upon the churches to be glorious, powerful, holy, blameless, and ready church, doing the will of God in our life and generation. Many times when you hear the word holy, what comes to people's mind is moral purity. But I want to tell you, holiness is not just moral purity. Holiness is moral purity, but a lot more. The word holy comes from the Hebrew word kadosh. And the word kadosh means to be set above. So when God calls the church to be holy, He's not just saying have a, a few codes of moral law. God is saying, I want the church to be set above everything else in the land. I want the voice of the church to be set above the voice of the world. I want the lifestyle of the church to be set above the lifestyle of the world. I want the, the, the ministry of the church to be set above the ministries here in the world. God wants the church to be a voice. And for this, we can never be a voice unless we know the voice of God. Unless we understand what is God speaking to our generation? What is, what is God speaking to our churches? What is God speaking to our land? What is God, what is God, God on our heart? Are we a voice? You know, every city has a voice. Every city has a voice. You look at Las Vegas, it's got a voice. It, it, there's a voice that's crying out. You look at Bangkok, it's crying out. There's a voice. Every city has a voice. But the question I want to ask you today, is the voice of the church louder than the cry of the city? God wants our churches to have a voice. The bride will speak up on behalf of the bridegroom in Jesus' mighty name. And if this has to be done, the bride needs to know the will of God. How can we speak what God wants unless we know what is God's will? The Bible said, Lord, the, the Lord taught his disciples to pray. Matthew's Gospel 6.10, you know, he said, pray like this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
God teaches us to pursue the will of God. How many of you want to pursue the will of God? How many of you are saying, Lord, I really want to pursue your will? Amen. As a young boy, I was longing as a young Christian, asking myself, Lord, how do I pursue the will of God? What can I do to fulfill the will of God? I got radically saved when I was 16 years old. I was very successful in everything I did. I got into sport and I played, you know, hockey and I was the captain of my district and went all state. I got into music, we formed a band, we got in, you know, at age 13, I started earning money, but there was this emptiness in my heart. I was looking for that missing ingredient that would fill the emptiness of my heart until one day someone shared about Jesus to me. And I got so radically saved. I got born again, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I said, Lord, I want to spend the rest of my life serving you. I want to be a voice, but how will I be a voice unless I know the will of God? How will I know what to declare? How will I know what to proclaim unless I know the will of God? I remember my wife and I, we were having our second baby. We were missionaries in the northern part of India. And it was at that time, the Holy Spirit one day spoke to us. I was, we were getting ready to go into Kathmandu, Nepal and plant a church over there. And I was all revved up. I was all excited. And one day I came back after some meetings from some city. I came back to our city and it was 10 o'clock in the night. And I just felt the Holy Spirit asked me to pray. So we went and we were going to bed, but I just sat there, put the table lamp on, and I was praying. And suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, get ready, pack your bags, you're going back south. You are going back to South India. And I was like, Lord, you know, when I was in South India, the Lord asked me to go to North India. I said, no, Lord. I said, Lord, I'll pray for the North. I will pay for the North. I will send people North, but I'm not going. And now, years later, the Lord spoke to me, said, get ready, pack your bags, move back south. I said, Lord, I'm not going south. I love North India. I'm so excited about the work over here. I can spend the rest of my life here. When the Lord told me, pack your bags, go south, I got something, I got greater work for you to do right now. So kicking and screaming, I went back south. You know, I fight, usually when I talk to God, and God speaks something, I fight with Him for about half an hour. At the end of half an hour, I tell Him, Lord, you know I'll obey, I'm just fighting with you. You know, and, and so I, 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 we went back south, when we went back south, suddenly, well, you know, the, the, uh, soon after that, our boy, our little baby was born and we had a, a second child, his name is Joshua. He was born. Just before he was born, I remember going to my wife and I saying, I got a bad feeling about this pregnancy. I sense in my heart that you are RH sensitized. You know, you know what the RH sensitivity is? Basically when the father and the mother's blood group don't match. So I told her, I have a bad feeling. Both of us are doctors. We understand the medical system. I said, I got a feeling he's RH sensitized. And she said, there's no way he can be because we took the anti-D injection and, and he should be fine. I said, I don't know why. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me that he, he, he are sensitized. Why don't we do a blood test? So we went and did a blood test and the blood test came negative. Everything's okay. So here was this man of God looking like a fool in front of his wife. And I said, okay, since everything's okay, I'd rather be wrong in this one than be right. Hallelujah. And he went back when the time of the baby came and the baby was born, baby's life was in danger. They did another test and they found out that she was RH sensitized and the baby was fighting. He had erythroblastosis fetalis. He was fighting for his life at that time. Around 12 o'clock in the night, we took the baby to the hospital. And at the hospital, the doctor, the doctor in, on duty that night was, was my wife's classmate in medical school. He was my junior in medical school. So, you know, the thing about our Asian cults, once, once you're a junior, all your life till you die, you're a junior, you know. 
So, so I, I walked into the, into the ICU and he was there. Dr. George walks out and he says, Dr. John, I got bad news for you. So what's the bad news? He said, your son is really, really sick. I said, what are we looking at? He says, the blood bilirubin levels are shooting up. It's 14 right now. And it went up to 21. And anytime after 21, 22, 23, it can cross the blood brain barrier. And it was going to leave my son either a vegetable or he could even die out of it. Oh, that night we were seeking the Lord. So important to understand the will of God. Otherwise we will never understand what to pray for if we don't understand what does God have to say about the situation that we're in. Hallelujah. That night I sought the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you have to say about this? The Holy Spirit told me three o'clock in the morning, I am going to walk into that ICU and I'm going to heal your boy. So here it is 12 o'clock in the night and his blood bill room is shooting up. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is going on? The doctor comes out and I asked him, Dr. George, I said, what are we expecting by six in the morning? And he said, I'm sorry, Dr. John, by six in the morning, looks like it's gonna be 28 or 30 and there is, it's gonna be brain damage. There is no way we can do anything. Every blood transfusion they wanted to do, every blood sample was being destroyed by my son's blood. There was nothing they could do other than triple phototherapy. We knew the system, we said, let's do it. Just start off, do what you can, but we begin to pray. And while we were praying, you know, two o'clock in the morning, I walked to my wife and I said, you haven't slept for two days. You really need to sleep. You, you, you know, you've just given birth to the child. And then I said, I said something, you know, uh, in a declaration of faith. I said, I'm the, I'm the head of this home. I'm spiritually taking responsibility for the situation. We're gonna pray for this right now. At three o'clock in the morning, I knew God was gonna do a miracle. I'm pacing up and down the ICU, praying in the Holy Spirit. And it was around that time, it's a long story, but around that time, we had not planted the church at that time. We were asked to leave another church. And so we didn't have a local church. We were just asked to step out of another church because they knew the Lord was asking us to plant a church. They were not secure at that time. And so we didn't have a church. We didn't have a pastor to call up. And we, we called up some of our team on the ministry and we asked them, would you pray? Would you uphold us in prayer? Around three o'clock in the morning, I called up a dear man of God and I said, would you pray with me? We prayed and we said, you know, we bound every binding we knew and we rebuked and casting and everything we knew. But the Lord spoke to me saying, three in the morning, I'm going to walk into that ICU and I'm going to heal. And we heard a voice saying, he touched me. So I went up to Pastor Hannah and I said, and I, I heard a voice, the Lord saying, he touched me. She said, I heard the same voice. I heard the Lord saying, he touched me. I said, wait a minute. God's going to do a miracle for our son. Three o'clock in the morning, we prayed. 5.30 in the morning, we were sent for a repeat blood sample. 5.30 in the morning, it comes, the blood sample comes back by six o'clock and the doctor is expecting a bilirubin of 28.30. He looks at the blood results and he jumps out and he says, Dr. John, I don't know what's going on, but it has dropped down to 14 miraculously. Hallelujah. You know what God did that night? The Holy Spirit, uh, so I, I went the next morning and the senior doctor was a friend of mine. He was my one year senior in college. It's good to have the doctors who you know, studied with you. And I said, so you, can, you, you, know, you don't look at them like doctor. Hey, hey, Naveen, tell me what's going on. And so Naveen looks at me and he says, Dr. John, in all these years of my medical training as a special, super specialist pediatric person, I have never seen anything like this. This is, this, is, this is crazy. It's usually two, three weeks of medical treatment and fighting for their life. I've never seen anything like this. And uh, in 24, I mean, in a few hours, in six hours, it's turned around. And I look at him and I said, then this must be a miracle from the Lord Jesus. He said, surely it must be a miracle from your Lord Jesus Christ. Take your child, go back home. Your baby is fine. Now look what happened. I go to that hospital that day, into that ICU. 
and they had asked us to take the baby or we could take the baby home. I walk into the ICU and I looked at the other incubators. I'd looked at the other incubators the previous night and those incubators had babies on them. I went in to pick up our baby and the other incubators were all empty. So we were taking the baby and I, I asked the nurse over there, I said, what happened to all the other babies? Where are all the other babies? She said, I don't know what's going on doctor, but last night, every single baby in every incubator got well. Hallelujah. You know what Jesus did? Jesus walked into that ICU that night and he looked at my baby and he said, touch, and he touched my baby. And I guess he looked at all the other babies and said, since I've come, touch, 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 touch. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, praise God. You see, we can never pray unless we know the will of God. And to know the will of God, we need to have a transformed mind. We can never know the will of God unless we have a transformed mind. And, to, and this is what God wants to do when we disciple people. Discipleship is such a big topic and, and so we don't know where to start and where to end. So back in our ministry, we have condensed the d- entire discipleship training. We, call, we have a program called the one, two, three discipleship where one person takes two people or three people and trains them in three areas of their life. God wants to disciple us first in our intimacy with God. Secondly, God wants to disciple us in our integrity of character. And thirdly, God wants to disciple us in our intensity of mission. Hallelujah. And intimacy with God. Say that after me. Intimacy with God. And integrity of character. And an intensity of mission. We got to wake up in the morning saying, God, I have come to do your will of God. Hallelujah. Why are we alive today? We're here to do the will of God. Why are we breathing? Because we want to do the will of God. Everything about our life is about doing the will of God. And if this is so, it begins by God working on our heart. You know, how many of you heard the parable of the sower? Yeah, you heard the parable of the sower, Luke's Gospel chapter 4. But truly, that is, a, that is a misnomer. That's not the parable of the sower. If you look in the Bible, that's the parable of the soil. It was the same sower sowing the same seed in different places. The only thing that was different was the soil. And, and the Bible says some, the soil was like the hearts of men and some fell by the wayside and the birds took out the word. Some fell on, among the thorns and it crushed the word. Some fell among the rocks and it could not take root, but some fell upon good soil and it bore a 30 and a 60 and a hundredfold. How is it that the same seed Even on good soil, some produce 30, some produce 60, and some produce a hundredfold. That was the parable of the soil. God wants to renew our minds so that we can understand the will of God. Lift your hand and say, Lord, I want to know your will. Come on. Lord, I want to know your will. Now, if God wants us, if we need to know the will of God, we've got to be transformed. Uh, We are made out of three parts. The spirit, we have the soul, and we have the body. With our body, we communicate to physical things. We touch, we talk, we do all these things with our body. With our soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotion, we communicate to people, to one another. And with our spirit, we talk to God. Hallelujah. I thank God for the spirit of God, spirit of man, that the Holy Spirit would anoint our spirit so that we can hear the voice of God. We can speak on behalf of God. We can declare the will of God. We can proclaim the things of God in our life and in our generation. So God wants to work with our spirit, our soul and our body and He wants to transform us. The question I want to ask today is, are you being transformed? Romans in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says like this, 
Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, in the view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. What does God want us to do? Offer. Can you say that word? Offer. Which means God's not snatching it. God's asking to offer it. He's asking, will you offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable? For this is the true act of spiritual worship. Do not be any longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, by which you will know what is the good and perfect, pleasing will of God. If you and I need to know the will of God, we will never understand the will of God unless we are transformed. I want to say, use three words today. First thing is the word conform. Bible says, do not be any longer conformed to the pattern of this world. Many believers would like to conform to a particular pattern. And the world has a pattern. The world has a mindset. The world has a belief system. And the world is constantly throwing their belief system at you through the media. The world may legislate a belief system. The world may, may, may insist that you've got to carry this particular belief system. But the God of heaven says that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You will never be able to walk in the will of God unless, there, unless there's a transformation. The Bible says, don't longer be conformed to the pattern of the world. Some people like to conform. Then some people say, no, 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 I don't want to conform like the world. Many people become just informed about the Word of God. They say, I know the Word of God, and they have a mental assent to the Word of God. So much of Christianity around the world is paralyzed because they're living in a mental assent, an agreement. They agree with the Word of God, but they don't live or act upon the Word of God. Now, what is mental agreement? I know you guys in Singapore, most of you are in great shape. You come to our nation, some of us are a little on the bulkier side. But how many of you feel, you know, we need to get into better shape? Anybody? Anybody feeling physically you need to get in better shape? Yeah, we know we need to get in better shape. We may feel that we're a little obese. We are maybe on the higher side. And we know if we hit the gym, it's going to be good for us. How many of you know that? Yeah? But how many of you know everybody who knows that does not hit the gym? We know that God is calling us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. We have a mental assent and agreement to it. We are informed about it, but we are not transformed. God says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't just be informed with a mental agreement to the preaching that the pastors do every week, but be transformed, metamorphote, to be transformed. God is calling you and me to be transformed into the mind of Christ. David Hogan, a wonderful man of God, said like this. One day he said, he said someone came to him and said, Hogan, you're out of your mind. David Hogan looked at him and said, I'm not out of my mind. I'm out of your mind. I'm out of your mind of doubt. I'm out of your mind of fear and unbelief. I have the mind of Christ. Amen. If you and I need to walk in the will of God, we have to renew our mind from the old manner of thinking into a new way of thinking. An unrenewed mind does not know the will of God. An unrenewed mind struggles to believe the will of God. You see, when God tells us to do something, we struggle because we don't have the faith for it. God asks you to obey in some area. We struggle because we don't have the faith for it. An unrenewed mind does not have room for faith to flow. What does God do when He renews your mind? He begins to allow, He begins to recreate the pattern of our mind that we can now, like it's like a software change. 
Like God removes the old software and begins to bring in a new software. I remember that I'm a type A personality and if you know type A's, we are go-getters, we're aggressive, we are so passionate. I got, and I got saved one day and uh, I, I used to have a lot of trouble with my mother. You know, and uh, my mother's also a very strong person in my family, my father, mother, and three children. If you've seen my family, we're all five of us are strong people. So you come to a home, everybody's shouting over one another to be heard. And everybody's loud. When my wife came home, she came from a quieter home. She was like wondering, why is everybody screaming so much? We weren't screaming, we were just talking. The neighbors could hear, but we were talking. You know, you know so I, and it's at that time, when, when my, I came home, I was born again, and I told myself, I cannot fight with my mother like I used to all the time. I have to have a change of lifestyle. And I went home and I said, whatever my mother says, I'm not gonna fight her back. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit. Five weeks, I stayed at home. I was in boarding school. I, five weeks, I stayed at home. And when I stayed at home at that time, my, after five weeks, my mother turned to, and I went back to hostel, to college. My mother turns to my sister and says, What's wrong with this boy? So my sister said, what happened? He seems to have a love failure or something. He's really depressed. Five weeks, he didn't say anything back to me. <laughs> and my sister looked at my mother and said, he's not in love failure, he's found love. He's born again, hallelujah. He really has found what really love is all about. There had to be a, a change of mind. You can have an encounter with God and still not have a renewed mind. King Saul encountered the Holy Ghost. The power of God came on him. He stood up. He was prophesying in the spirit and gets up from there, takes the spear and goes after David to kill him again. You can have an encounter with God and resist the Holy Spirit. You can, have, you can welcome the move of the spirit and go back and say, no, I'm not sure I want to obey that. So born again is not big enough. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, I want you to change my heart. I want you to change my thinking because this is the avenue that resists the work of the Holy Spirit or cooperates with the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is why the, un, the, the mind, the renewed mind is the primary target of the devil. If the devil knows if I can get their thinking, I have got them. If he can get you to feel victimized, oh, I'm the only one suffering, he's got you. If he can get you to think, I'm not beautiful, he's got you. If he can get you to think, I'm poor, I don't know what's gonna happen to my life, he's got you. If he gets your mind, if he gets your thinking, he's got your faith. Because what you believe is truly your faith. And this is what the enemy does, he constantly bombards that area. And as much as he bombards that area, God wants you to feed that area with the will of God. Hallelujah. He wants you to constantly, he wants to corrupt your mind. The devil wants to make your mind hard and hostile. And he wants you to close your mind. But God wants to decode that old coding and recode with the coding of God in our life. So when God talks about a transformation, God is wanting to do much more than an external change. You see, a change on the outside isn't enough. We are, we, you know, we are useless as Christians where if the world looks at us and does not know the difference. If the world looks at us and say, I don't know the difference between the world and, and, and the church. They're all looking the same. They're all talking the same. They're all dressing the same. They're all walking the same. They're all speaking the same language. We are absolutely useless as Christians. And the Christian alternative to immoral behavior is not a, a set of moral rules. The Christian alternative to ungodly living is a deeper transformation on the inside. 
is a fear of God that comes on the inside. A fear of God that tells you it's not about how what others are watching you do or what others are watching you say. That's not the motivation. David cried out to God and said, God, against you and you only have I sinned. There's a deep cry, the fear of the Lord inside of you. Wherever you go, there's a fear of God. Every time you stand up and speak, there's a fear of God. Every time you're challenged by the enemy, there's a fear of God inside of you telling you, you have got to stand up. Years ago, I was in, when I was in college, there was a pastor who was a very ungodly man. You know, I, I have a call. I work a lot with pastors and leaders. I love pastors and leaders. It's a very risky job to be a pastor. And they're sometimes, some of the, they're very lonely. They're, you know, very, very, very lonely people. So one day there was this carnal pastor who turned against us. I was a young boy at that time. And uh, he put a false case. We had caught him red-handed with some things. And so he went to the police station and he bribed the police in my, in my, in my city. And he put false cases against five of us. He comes at 11 o'clock in the night to my, in my room and he says, you should know an enemy before you take on one. Because you are like babies before me. And he said, tomorrow by five o'clock, if you don't give me in writing that I'm innocent, I am going to destroy your life. I'm going to put you behind bars. And then he says... I have paid up in the university for, and I have paid up to bri- and I've, 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 so that you're going to fail in your microbiology examination in your medical years. The moment I heard this, I was just a 19-year-old boy. I was really afraid. And so I got up from there and I told him, I cannot give you in writing that you're innocent because you are not. And so I'm thinking in my heart, Lord, I don't know what to do. He goes away and he says, by tomorrow evening, five o'clock, you'll be behind bars. I go to one of our leaders' home. And that leader's father, spirit-filled Pentecostal for many, many years. And I, and I share with one of those leaders saying, you know, we need, to, we need to do something. This man has come and threatened us and he's put cases on us. But that, that leader's father gets up and says, put that Bible aside and let's go beat the daylights out of that guy. And here I am as a young 19-year-old boy. On one side, the metamorphote is telling me you have to be transformed. You cannot think like the world. You cannot talk like the world. Even when you are under threat, you cannot behave like the world. I looked at that dear uncle and I said, no, we will not go and beat the daylights out of him. I declare a fast. A 19-year-old boy, I took over responsibility in the fellowship. I said, I declare a fast. We're going to seek God. We're going to ask the Lord what God has to say in this circumstance. I had two goons from, I mean, ex, I don't know, is the word gunda? Do you, goons, you use that word? I had two goons back in our church when they heard that this was going on. I mean, they were, they were messy guys in their past life. They come up to me and they said, Dr. John, we're here, we ha- you're having some trouble with some people. And I said, yeah, I'm having some trouble. They said, don't worry, leave it to us. How many pieces do you want to make him? We will chop him into pieces. We will put him in a gunny bag. We will put him under the back seat of a state transport bus and send him to a nearby you know, state across the border to a city across the border. I looked at them and I said, no way. We are going to do the will of God. We're going to stand for God. By next evening, five o'clock, miraculously, instead of us being arrested, he was arrested. He was put behind bars and he was sent away to the docks because the power of God, when God begins to work on a renewed mind, it is not you who is fighting your battle. It is God who is fighting your battle for you. Hallelujah. Amen. God fought our battle for us. And then my results came. And when I looked at the marks card, I saw in my microbiology, there was a red mark. I'd failed my microbiology. I was heartbroken because he went to the university and bribed them and failed me. And I, I had never had a red mark in my entire medical career. I was a good student. I loved my subject. I, I studied hard. And I looked at this red mark 
And I said, Lord, I was so heartbroken. Standing there in the university, in the, in the college office, I lifted up the marks card to heaven. And I said, Satan, you just watch. Next time, double the marks. I'm going to come right back with this. When the enemy comes and pushes in hard against you, push back with the mind of Christ. Declare the mind of Christ upon that circumstance. Declare the mind of Christ upon your son and upon your daughter and upon your father and upon your mother, in your home, upon your church. Decree upon your nation. Declare the will of God upon your nation. Saying, thus saith the Lord God of heaven, because you and I, we are the ambassadors of God upon our land. God had used that and you know what God did with that circumstance? He turned the whole thing around. My results came and I had failed. I worked hard in the next exam I passed, but I could not go to a premier medical institute because of that red mark in my, in my subject. And I, and I had to go back to another city. In that other city, I met with some new people. God caused us to form a ministry. We went out today by the mercy of God. God has given us, allowed us to go and carry this gospel through that ministry to 59 nations in the world today. Hallelujah. God is a mighty God. And that's not all. You know that institute that I was not able to join to go and speak? It was a premier medical institute in my country. And for, the, and for five years back on back, God opened up a door for me to go and be one of the main speakers at their missions conference year after year after year after year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you renew your mind, God begins to step in on your behalf. So as I close, how do I really renew your mind? Because the mind is at war with God. An unrenewed mind is at war with God. God says something, the mind says something else. God says you will live, the mind says you will die. As a medical doctor, I remember when I first, you know, started praying for healing. I was afraid to pray for healing. I, I remember everybody I prayed for died. And I'm thinking in my heart, what's wrong with me? I'm a man of faith and why are people not getting healed? And I remember going to the hospital and asked somebody, what's your sickness? And they told me, osteogenic sarcoma. And the moment I heard osteogenic sarcoma, my medical mind was running, osteogenic sarcoma. Oh my goodness, prognosis, three months to live. He, that's all he has, three months to live. So my medical knowledge was telling me, now medical knowledge is wrong, is not wrong, it's a fact, all right? I wanna tell you, medical knowledge is a fact, but I want you to know every fact is not a truth. Hey Amen, are you listening to me? How many of you know the sun rises in the east and sets in the west? Come on. Yeah, sun rises in the east and sets in the west. But the truth is the sun doesn't rise and it doesn't set. The earth is spinning. <laughs> Amen. So when you look in the sky, it looks like a fact, but every fact is not the truth. The fact is that you may be sick, but the truth is by His stripes, you can be healed in Jesus' mighty name. We respond to the truth of God. We know the will of God, we respond. The unrenewed mind tells us, don't believe. The renewed mind begins to tell us, yo, let's go ahead. We need to understand this. Our destination is heaven, but our assignment is here on earth, hallelujah. God is calling us to step out and decree and declare. And if that is the case, then I wanna know if this is the truth, the battleground is in the mind. The lines are drawn and the devil is saying, I'm going to constantly remind you of lies. And God is saying, I want to constantly remind you of my will. I was asking the Lord, Lord, how do I know the will of God as a young boy? And I saw in Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be any longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One, one day I saw this, I was a young boy, I got so excited finding how to find the will of God. I took my bike and I drove to my pastor's house. Don't do this to your pastor. But I drove to my pastor's house. I was all of 17 or 18 at that time. I stopped in, or 19, I stopped outside his house. I jumped his wall. 
I was so excited because of the revelation. I jumped his wall, I banged the door. It was 6.37 in the morning. I said, pastor, pastor, open the door. And he opened the door, he said, what happened? I said, I got it, I found it. He said, found what? I said, I found how to find the will of God. And he was staring at me. He said, come on in, have a cup of tea. It was seven o'clock in the morning. And, I, and he said, tell me how you found how to find the will of God. I said, I found out the word of God says, how do I know I can be transformed to find the will of God? And the word of God says, firstly, you'll be transformed by meditating the word of God. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, many of us have dead faith. Faith is there in our heart. But the fact is, we know what it is, we believe it, but it's inactive. Inactive, unexercised faith is dead faith. And I believe God is calling us today not to walk in dead faith, but to come to a place of godly meditation. Everybody say, meditate the Word of God. As a young Christian, they taught us to read the Word of God. We poured through 10, 15, 16 chapters of the Bible every day. We got to read the Word, memorize the Word, Confess the word. One of my friends used to say, if somebody comes and pats you on your back, the word of God's got to come out of your mouth. You must be so full of God's word. Amen. Amen. Say after me, I will live. I will not die. I will declare the works of God. Hallelujah. You got to confess the word of God. Meditate the word of God. Read the word of God. Speak the word of God. Believe the word of God. Share the word of God. Preach the word of God. Proclaim the word of God. The first way to be transformed is by your meditation. The second way to be transformed is by your associations. The Bible says, he who walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools will come to destruction. God is calling you and me. Be careful who you associate with. God wants you to be part of a good church. God wants you to be established in a, in a faith-believing, Jesus-believing, Word-established church. And God wants you. And if you're a part of this church, I want you to be faithful, listening to the Word of God. You associate. You hang around with chickens, you'll fly like a chicken. You hang around with eagles, you'll fly like an eagle. Hallelujah. God is calling you to soar upon. Watch over your association. How are you transformed? Transformed by your meditation. How are you transformed? Transformed by your association. But finally, how are you transformed? You are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Jesus told the disciples, tarry in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The third way God wants to transform your life is by filling you with the Holy Spirit. The day I got filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, something changed in my life, something deep within. Something deep within began to put, speak to my heart saying, God, 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 I want to spend the rest of my life sharing this good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today, if you want to be transformed, I believe God can do that in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Shall we rise up to our feet right now? Let's pray together. I believe God wants to do something deep in our life. Let's all lift our voice. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. God wants to transform us. Everywhere, all over the place. Begin to pray in tongues right now. All over the place. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Oh, believe what God has for you tonight. This morning, believe what God has for you. The Word of God. God says, I got plans for you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and for a future. Plans to multiply you. Plans to make your name great. Plans to lift you up. Plans that you will live and not die. That you will declare and decree the will of God. 
God has planned for you. Oh, Father, we receive that meditation of God's Word. Father, we want to pray right now. Father, we receive that meditation. We want to, we want to meditate on God's Word and we commit to that, oh God, that we will hide Your Word in our heart, that we will not sin against You. If there are people in this place that you have been in wrong associations, ungodly relationships, wrong love affairs, if you're getting into wrong, if you've gotten into all kinds of wrong business deals and things like that, the Lord is saying right now, repent from your associations that are ungodly and associate with the godly. Walk with people that fear the Lord and God will lift you up in your generation. He will bless you and your children. I see an anointing tonight, this morning. I see an anointing upon generations. Some of you are not yet married, but the transformation upon your life is going to release an inheritance into your children and into your children's children. They will be called blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. You'll be transformed by your meditation, transformed by your association. But right now, even as we close, we're going to pray. Oh, we're going to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this night, this morning, I want to pray. If any of you, how many of you saying, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit in a fresh way. I want you to lift your hands right now. And Father, we are asking in Jesus' mighty name. Just ask the Lord. He's filling you. He's filling you right now in a fresh way, in a fresh way. And if, you, if you, you're praying that, you're saying, Lord, I want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to walk down to the front. If you're not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit specifically, if you're saying, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with a gift of new tongues, I want, to, I want to receive everything God has for me. I want you to walk up to the front and we're going to lay hands on you quickly. Uh, oh, we're going to pray. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.